conversations. A few weeks ago, I, I told you guys I, um, I get to hang out with my dad on, on Wednesday afternoons. Um, my dad has Alzheimer's, and it is not getting better. It is getting worse. Um, but funny stories are coming out of my time with him. And um, so there, there was one that happened this afternoon, so I'm going to share it with you. Um, so I was sitting next to him. He's sitting in the chair he usually sits in. The phone rings, and he, he knows to pick up the phone. Um, so he picked up the phone, but he had picked it up upside down. Um, so he's talking into the phone, and um, he says, hello? And I didn't, I didn't realize. I was kind of watching what our game was on. And, and he said, hello? And at this point, I, I'm a little concerned, so I kind of look over at him, and, and I realize he's got it upside down. Before I could say anything, he blurts out, you're going to have to talk a little louder. I can't hear you. <laughs> And I hear on the other end this woman yelling, and I realize, that's my sister. So he says again, you're going to have to talk a little louder. I can't hear you. And like a good big, bro- big little brother, I do nothing. I just watch <laughs> all this play out. So he's here saying, you got to talk louder. My sister's in Atlanta not knowing what's going on. So we had a great time with that. Um, he, he finally said, here, let me, talk to your, let me let you talk to your brother. So I had a good laugh when I uh, finally got <laughs> um, So, yeah, that's my dad. Um, I want to tell you about my wife, too. She's a gem. She's the best. We've been married 30-plus years. And, and I'm, I'm convinced, and I, I don't just say this, um, she deserves a gold medal for every year she's been married to me. Um, I'm also convinced she's going to be the most highly decorated saint in heaven for, for, for putting up with me. Because if I'm honest, I really am an idiot, um, as, as evidenced with what I did to my sister. Um, I think stupid things, I say stupid things, and I do stupid things things. I confuse her, I disappoint her, and I sin against her. And she has never, not once, failed to forgive me and to love me. Now let me ask you, what do you think that kind of grace does to me? Do you think it moves me or motivates me to, to, to even greater idiocy? <laughs> or, or do you think it moves me to greater and deeper love? It's a rhetorical question because you know the answer. The incredible love and grace that she shows me week after week after week is fuel for my love for her. The loving grace she shows me only make me want to, to love her more. Up to this point in Romans, as we've walked through this book, there, there probably hasn't been a clearer theme than God's loving grace to sinners like us. That, that God has forgiven our sins. God has forgiven your sin, all of it, past, present, future, through the death of his son. This grace of God 
changes us. It makes us want to love him more. It moves us to a deeper love of the one who first loved us. It makes us want to live lives pleasing to him. And so following Christ, honoring Christ, obeying the commands of Christ aren't duty. In fact, they're delight. And that's what Romans 6 is all about. Look at, on the, look at it on the screen behind me here. Or, or if you have your Bible, open up to Romans 6. We'll start in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law? but under grace. Paul, up to this point, has been talking all about how we're saved, we're reconciled to God, we're forgiven. I I use a big word, we're justified, we're made right with God by His grace alone. And so he anticipates the question, are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. As we heard before, that's just another word for our becoming holy or more like Christ. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, up to this point, as I, as I said just a few moments ago, has been preaching grace to us. And to preach grace is dangerous. To say that God forgives based only on His free grace and based on nothing that we do leaves us open to the charge that we're giving people license to sin. Or, or think about it this way. Since God forgives no matter what I do, then people might start to think, we might start to think, I can continue in sin, and God will continue to forgive, right? And Paul's answer to that, that's the very question he asked. So I love that, that we have to ask the same question. It gives me a pretty good sense that, that we've been preaching grace here. If that's what you preach, then you're open to this charge. But listen to Paul's answer. By no means. Put it in other words, heck no. Are you out of your minds? And unfortunately, we need to say it this strongly because there are whole Christian communities 
that are promoting a we are under grace, so obedience is optional kind of Christianity. And that's not biblical Christianity. You can't read Romans 6, any part of it, and come to that conclusion. But y'all, it's not just an out there problem. It's not just in, in certain circles of Christianity. It's an, it's an in here problem too. And here's how it plays out in my own heart. As I, as I edge closer and closer to the cliff of sin, I begin to think to myself, it's no big deal. God will forgive. And to that, Paul would say, heck, no. Are you out of your mind? And he's going to give us several reasons here. Why we're out of our minds if we think that way. Let's look at the first one. Reason number one. Paul says, look, don't you know that sin is slavery? Look back at verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Now, now Paul's simply saying what we already know, that whatever it is we give ourselves to, We've become slaves of. Whatever it is we give ourselves to, we've already become slaves of. Let me stop for just a second. And let me just kind of do a poll of, of you all. What are the things that we give ourselves to? Yeah, Brandon. Materialism. Okay, material goods, yeah. What else? What else do we give? In the back? School. School. Somebody was saying? Relationships. Relationships. Selfishness. Selfishness, yeah. And self-centered agenda. What else? Sex. Sex. Sexual pleasure. Amber? Okay. Being a perfectionist. (coughs) Kind of closely tied to that performance. Pleasing people. Pleasing people. Yeah. Go ahead, Beth. Drugs. Drugs, yep. Any kind of escape, like alcohol, whatever. Escapism. Len. Sports, yeah. Say music. Music, yeah. Social media. Self pity. We could go on a long time, couldn't we? This world, our own hearts, will really offer a a buffet of options for things to to serve. And here's the deal. We all give ourselves to something or to someone. We do. Like, it's not if we do, it's to what do we give ourselves to. And so the question I want you to start asking is, will it give you freedom in life or will it bring you bondage and death? Will it give you freedom in life or will it bring you bondage and death? Scott Sauls is a pastor in Nashville. He wrote a book called Jesus Outside the Lines. And in that book, he he shared this account. This is him speaking. I remember watching an interview with Mariah Carey who at the time was in her late 
20s and had accumulated more number one hits than anyone in music except for Elvis and the Beatles. The interviewer asked Carrie if there was anything left for her to accomplish. She sat there quietly for a moment and then she replied, happiness. It's really sad, isn't it? The interviewer was thrown off by the answer and asked how this could be true. How with such great success and so much applause and so much money can you not be happy? Carrie didn't even have to think about how to answer the second question. Right away, she looked at the interviewer and she, she could hear, she said she could hear a thousand praises in just one criticism. And the one criticism would overrule the thousand praises and wreck her emotionally. <clears throat> Carrie was serving approval or people pleasing. And it was killing her. Y'all, we all give ourselves to something or to someone. What are you giving yourself to? Answer that in the quiet of your own heart. If it's something other than Christ, it, it will lead to bondage and to death. Why do we not continue in sin? Paul would say because sin is slavery. <coughs> in the story of God delivering Israel from bondage in Egypt way back in the Old Testament, after God had brought them miraculously through the Red Sea, there, there are several accounts after they've come through the Red Sea of Israel wanting to go back to Egypt. It's crazy. They had been in slavery in that land for 400 years. And here God had finally rescued them with this miraculous deliverance. And the food supply gets low, and so they cry out for Egypt. The water supply gets low, and they cry out for Egypt. Things get a little uncomfortable, and they want to go back to bondage and to slavery. And you and I look at that, and we go, that's insane. That's crazy. can't we see that in our own hearts? Why can't we see how crazy it is that we go back to our sin, to our bondage, to our slavery? That's what Paul's saying. This is crazy. Sin is slavery and it leads to death, which is Paul's second reason for why continuing in sin is crazy. So the first sin is slavery. The second sin leads to death. And we see it three times in our text. Look at verse 16, the very end of that. You are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death. Jump down to 20. For when you were slaves of sin, what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Jump down to 23. For the wages of sin is death. Paul wants us to see the end result of sin. It's death. 
His point, we'd be crazy to continue in sin because its end is death. And by death, we're not just talking about physical, bodily death. Though, the, though sin is the reason death came into the world, we're also talking about death emotionally because guilt and shame slowly crush us. We're also talking about spiritual death because sin separates us from God and it destroys our relationship with Him. Sin leads to death. A few weeks ago, my sister-in-law made a pecan pie. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) She said it was the best one she'd ever made. So that evening, she had one slice, and my brother thought it was so good that he indulged in two slices. And before they went to bed, they covered the glass plate with the pecan pie in it with foil and they left it on the counter in the middle of the night they they said they heard a crash but they didn't think much of it my sister-in-law Susie woke up the next morning to find glass and blood all over the floor and absolutely not one shred of evidence of pecan pie (laughs) not one crumb Not one sliver of a pecan. Every bit of it was gone. Just shards of glass and blood everywhere. She said it was like a murder scene. Those are her words. I have pictures. I brought pictures. Ambria. Hang on. Their dog, Asher, Black Lab, had jumped up, dragged the pie plate down and helped himself to every bit of that pecan pie. Even though he had to separate pie from glass with his tongue. Miraculously, Asher lived and had no serious problems from the incident. And and really, miracle. I, I, I don't know what else to say. The pleasure of that pie could have and should have killed him. Here's why I share that. When we give ourselves to sin, we're a lot like Asher. We pursue the pleasure of whatever that sin of the day happens to be. Self-promotion, tearing down another using others, sexual pleasure, pleasure in greed, power, popularity, or performance, whatever the pleasure, y'all, we're just inhaling the sugary-coated pecans, Mm -hmm. but little do we know, we're also taking in the shards of glass. And it's killing us. That's what Paul is saying. This is what Paul means when he says the wages of sin is death. You know what a wage is, right? It's what you earn for your labors. If you work at sin, the salary you will receive is death. So Romans 6 is here as a wake-up call. Are you listening? Why 
do we not continue in sin? Because it's suicide. It's death. So Paul's saying you're crazy if you continue in this thing called sin because it's slavery and it leads to death. And then he gives us a third reason. Reason number three. Because Jesus has set us free. Amen. Jesus has set us free. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're slaves to righteousness, this passage tells us, which is true freedom. We're talking about a whole new identity that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. And to continue in sin is to deny that very identity. I think a lot of y'all know this, but before I was an RUF pastor, I was a youth pastor at a local church here. One of my students from my youth ministry days, she was a great young lady. She went on to serve as a missionary in Asia. And, and in her time there, she and, and some of her missionary friends went, went to spend some, some days of holiday, just vacation days in Bangkok, Thailand. Y'all know what Bangkok's known for, right? The prostitution trade. And, and it broke their hearts. And, and so Meriwether and her friends wanted to show love to, to one of the girls that was caught up in this trade. So they went down to a street corner and they paid the cost for a night for this girl and they took her to their hotel room and they ordered pizza they made popcorn and they watched movies. They did their nails and they talked and they laughed and they cried. They simply treated her like a human, not like an object. They loved this girl by giving her a night of freedom. And what a glorious night. This must have been for this girl. Jesus paid the price for our freedom. When he died on that cross, he gave his life to make us free. And not just for a night, but for a lifetime. And we'd be crazy to go back to our bondage. Why? Because Christ has set us free. And that's why Paul in verses 17 and 20 says, we were slaves. Do you notice the tense? Past tense. We were slaves. But that's not what we are now. We're not that anymore. That's not who we are. We're free. And Jesus died to make us free. If we could do an audit of your life, all of it, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, what would we find? Are you still living living in slavery to sin or are you living as a person set free? And y'all, we have to play a part in this. We can either live for sin or we can live for righteousness. That's the choice before you in Romans 6. Which one is it? 
that you're going to live for? Will you live for sin or will you live for righteousness? One or two final thoughts. I've already alluded to it. In the Bible, Israel's time in slavery in Egypt is often used as a picture of our slavery to to sin. In the promised land, Canaan is a picture of our freedom, our being set free. Martin Luther King Jr. picked up on this idea and he uses that imagery with these words. There's something in the soul that cries out for freedom. There's something deep down within the very soul of man that reaches out for Canaan. Men cannot be satisfied with Egypt. Christ is history's eternal Red Sea, who on the one hand stands as Savior and Redeemer, aiding the forces of good to escape. In other words, bringing them through. Christ is the one who does that. And on the other hand, he, Christ, stands as judge, condemning the forces of evil to ultimate doom. So Christ is also not only Redeemer and Savior, but also judge. My friends, this is King again. My friends, get out of Egypt. Get something done. Realize that your life is not made to be dominated by evil Egyptians. Go out. Your ultimate destiny is the promised land. It's good. It is good. (laughs) So here's the bottom line in all of this. We cannot serve two masters. We will either give ourselves to sin or we'll give ourselves to righteousness. Which will it be for you? If you truly know God's grace, as I said at the very beginning, it will change you. Sanctification, that that process of our becoming holy always follows, always follows justification. It's not the basis of our justification. Y'all with me? Like what we do, our obedience, our holiness does not win for us our right standing before God. That already happened at the cross. Jesus bought it, and it's paid in full. But because of that, we now want to live a life pleasing to him. And they always go together, y'all. We cannot separate them. That's what Paul's saying. Sanctification always follows justification. Are you on the road that leads to death? or the one that leads to life. Come to Jesus tonight. Or urge you, come to Jesus tonight and come put yourself on the road that leads to life. That's what Jesus offers you tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is a word of power. It's a word that pierces to our souls. You know us better than we know ourselves. So Lord, would you continue to drive your good word deep into our hearts. Lord, show us those places where we're not trusting you, where we're not giving ourselves wholly over to you. 
And God, forgive us that we choose the way of sin over the way of righteousness. Forgive us when we make a mockery of, of the cross, of the justification that you purchased for us by continuing to live in sin. But I pray that we would long for and live for freedom and for life in Christ. Pray that for each one of us here. And we ask it in Jesus' name.